Lately, I've been thinking about something that I just term the void. It's a place of not just emptiness, but where things should exist or where things once existed, but no longer exist. And in telling my story, in getting into the story of my family history and my own personal story, I've come across the void a number of times. And so this is a little bit of an esoteric episode. Maybe we'll see if if this makes sense to you. But I really wanted to talk about the situation in where people are looking for answers. They're looking for an explanation for things, looking to understand things. But the information they seek isn't there. It doesn't exist. And for whatever reason, it may never exist. Maybe somebody passed away or something was deleted or destroyed, but you're left with these holes in your story. So that's what I'm talking about today. So how do we move from not knowing something? How do we move from a situation where we feel like we've lost information, we've lost insight, we've lost things that we'd like to know about to a place where we can actually make sense of things, where we can tell a story where we do have these giant gaps in knowledge. And it's something that I came across a number of times as I was writing a book. And that's what I'll explain today. My name is Chris Waldheims, and this is the Hyper Memoir Podcast. Um, I've been talking a lot about personal storytelling and finding your voice and sharing my own experience in doing both of those things. So my hope is that this podcast helps you. There's also a newsletter that goes along with it where I go into a little more detail about the things that I'm talking about here on this podcast. As I share these things, I want to give more depth. And so the newsletter is the place to be. You can actually check that out by clicking the link in the show notes or description and joining us there. And you'll also hear about when new podcasts come out and when new things happen. So if that's interesting to you, would love to have you there. So today I'm talking about a little bit of a, I feel like it's a strange topic. You know, as I was thinking about this episode and preparing to record I was thinking about whether or not people can even relate to this topic. What does it mean to encounter the void? And I'm terming that, and this is the way that I've been thinking about it in my writing and in my my own thinking, my own thought, is the void isn't just places where there's no information, but where there was once information, where there was once something to know but now it's gone. And it's come up a lot for me as I was writing my family history. As I've mentioned in other episodes, it's been a lot of detective work to find out what actually happened with my family. As an adult, I began this search. I wrote a book about it. I've mentioned this before. We'll continue to mention it. But one of the things that happens in in an endeavor like that is you end up losing information or you end up finding places where nobody knows anything or the documents that talk about something don't exist. And so For me, I found a lot of holes in my story, a lot of holes in my memory that I always wanted to fill in. And I kind of had this experience a few years back. Um, I went to Latvia, the border of Latvia and Lithuania, actually, to a small village where my grandmother and my mother had been. So I think that was my grandmother's and my great-grandmother's house, but my mother had once been there. And I went with some Russian relatives. And... I actually wrote a story about this because it was so poignant and kind of illustrates the uh, topic that I'm talking about here, which is you go to a place and you can see where something once stood. And in this case, I, in the story that I wrote about this and in the experience itself, I went to this village in Latvia where my family had once been and where they had been is just a grass field. There is maybe a little bit of foundation left somewhere, but the house itself was destroyed, I think, during World War II. 
But what that means is you have this grass field where there was once something and there's now nothing and all around it are other houses. And with the, the loss of that building, that house, there's a lot of information lost. And so I felt like it was really emblematic of the quest that I had been on to find out more about my family. I'd come across these places and things and people who didn't know anything or where there had been once information or insight and now it's gone. So at that time, I started to think a lot. I started to think a lot about how I was there in a strange country, for me at least, where I didn't know too much and I was searching for answers, but I found a place where maybe there would have been answers at one point, but now there weren't. And I started thinking to myself that the initial reaction I have to things like that, and I think most people will have to not knowing something, is to sort of fight against it and sort of mourn the fact that what we want to know isn't available to be known, that we've lost something. And yes, we have lost something. That's true. But I'm also thinking more about how we can kind of figure out things from what we don't know. We can kind of look at the contours of what we don't know and find ways to fill in the gaps. And that's what I'm going to talk about more in this episode. How do you fill in the gaps or how do you just deal personally when you know that the answers you seek are now gone? In my life, as I've been researching my family history, I've come across this many times. So I've had relatives that passed away. I've had uh, places where I've come across a trail of clues only to find that it's dried up. It's always been there. It's always been this sort of thing that I'm fighting against as I'm trying to tell my story or tell my family history, these places where information is gone, where insight is gone, where people are gone. So that's something that... I'm really familiar with. And so I'd always find clues. But the idea that things are lost to history is kind of common. And I would imagine that if anyone's a historian or looking at history or thinking about how history is written, there's always going to be that loss. I think that if you think about how history is written, it's always a set of inferences. We find artifacts, we find documents, we find other kind of clues as to what happened. And then we create a story out of it. So in my own personal history, I think that's been the same method. And I think the question often becomes, well, where we don't know something, what inferences can we make? What can we actually assume? What can we, yeah, what can we decide, you know, in the absence of facts? Like how far can we go before it becomes a complete fabrication? And I don't know if there's one answer. And I'm sure that people who think about this thing a lot more than I do or think about this topic more than I do debate, you know, what, what do the facts support? What can we tell from what we know, even with uh, law? So in my day job as a lawyer, often there's uh, stories that are incomplete, and you can kind of tell that something's missing. I mean, I think that's part of the training of being a lawyer is start, starting to see, well, I heard fact A, I heard fact B, but I feel like fact C exists, and I'm just not hearing it. So I'm going to go look for it more. And I'm sure journalists do that. I'm sure anyone who has a sort of investigative bent will do these things where they can kind of tell that a fact is missing or can look for places where inferences need to be made or can be made. So for me, my personal history, it's always been a race against time. I've always been trying to find the people that I need to talk to or find the things that I need to know in order to find out what my personal history was like. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I'd say pretty much every immediate member of my family is gone. So I've never had the chance to actually ask someone about stories of my family. It's always inferences or talking to people who might have known somebody or been in a place or 
what have you, but it's never been a direct thing. So I've had to construct my whole family story and my own story through a set of inferences. So that's what's got me into this topic. And again, the enemy, or if you want to put it that way, or the countervailing force, I think to be less dramatic would be the void. It would be the circumstances. It can be war, it can be famine, it can be uh, immigration, it can be any kind of movement that causes facts to be lost, that causes information to be lost. And so part of my growth and part of what I've had to learn is how to be okay with knowing that this information is lost, that things are lost. So my question then becomes, well, how do you cope with that? How do you deal with that? And there's a few things that I've come up with that I'll share with you now in this episode about how do you how do you deal with the loss of a story or a loss of information? So the first thing that I would say is to accept that it's a reality of the human experience. I think every human has dealt with this. Every human has things that they want to know, but feel like they'll never know because the information is just gone. Um, in life, we lose so much, loved ones, special places, memory, and things that matter to us. Um, losing and forgetting is part of the human condition. And knowing that actually helps me connect more deeply with others, because I find that that forms a common ground that we all can relate to, that all of us, no matter what our circumstances or story or uh, project that we're involved with, are always going to encounter this thing where we wish we had asked someone a question or we wish we had found out sooner or we wish we could go back in time and find out what actually happened. And so it really is part of the human experience. So I don't think that, you know, I think if you look at it in isolation as if this is something that's happening to me or I'm going through this alone, this loss of information or loss of insight, it feels alienating and it feels isolating. But if you can kind of understand that everybody feels that it's part of the human condition, then that enables you to sort of relate that experience to other people. So that's the first thing I would say. Um, the second thing is to remember and cherish what we can. So knowing that information is lost, knowing that we can lose things has really driven me to want to remember more. It's driven me to want to write stories and capture what I can, because the more that I can do to keep what we know, the more that I can pass that on to people in the future, whether that's my own kids or other interested people. And I like journaling. I like writing things down. I like saving things. So I think that's part of the process as well, is, is to save what we can and, and kind of do a favor for our future self, but also for future people who might come along in the future. So we can actually take steps to push against that. And I and for me personally, writing a book, writing stories has helped because, you know, one day I'm going to be gone. So to know that I've put down what I can and given that gift to the future really helps me to cope. Um, learning to use imagination to fill gaps. This is where things get interesting. So um, it's not an invitation to lie or misrepresent. So if we know elements of a story, if we know parts of a story, but we see that there are gaps, I do believe that there is a little bit of poetic license to draw inferences. But I do think the key is to know how to be honest and know how to tell the truth. So maybe we don't know exactly, for instance, what we had for dinner on June 8th of 1985. Maybe there's a way you can kind of put what would your typical meal meal would have been then, and that's where you can fill in sort of these gaps or inferences. And obviously, that's a minor thing, but in writing my own story, there were things I didn't remember, or there are things that I experienced and I don't remember all the details, but I remember enough that the key details can be put in, and then things I don't remember, I can fill in the gaps. But like I said, the key thing is to also be truthful. Don't put in things that are completely false or fabricated 
um, use poetic license to tell your story, use poetic license to serve the truth and actually make sense of things. Because one of the things that I've felt is that stories and telling our own stories do help us make sense of things. So being able to fill in the gaps so that we have a clean narrative or at least a continuous narrative can be really helpful in helping us make sense of things. Um, and we do this all the time anyways. So when we think about inferences, our mind is always making inferences. So for instance, um, we always assume, for instance, what exists on the other side of a wall is existing, that it's persistent. We don't know that, like we can't actually see or sense the other side of a wall unless we're looking around it, in which case we're not making inferences, we're, we're directly experiencing it. So we always make inferences with our mind. So like, you know, things we can't see or you know, we assume that when we don't see someone in person that they still exist and they don't just pop into existence right when they encounter us. Um, those are all inferences. So it's kind of a weird thing to say, but philosophically, the things you're not sensing, it's all built on inferences. That's what our mind does is creates inferences. So it's a technique that I think you can get better and better at. And in my own story and the way that I tell my story, um, I'll be honest where I don't know things and I'll say this might have happened or perhaps it went down like this or what have you. So you can also kind of point out places in telling your own story where you might not be entirely sure of the facts. Or what I did in my own book was I actually made sequences and parts that were fictional. And I kind of set those off by putting them in italics and kind of explaining to the reader that when you see italics, when you see things that are italicized, this is a made up part, but I'm doing it because I want to fill in the gaps that I don't know. So I think invention and creativity and art can actually help us to fill in the gaps. And so that's that's a technique that I use. Curious to know your philosophies on that. Um, and that goes to the next point, which is tell the story that you can. Again, part of storytelling, part of making sense of history and stories is knowing that there's parts that aren't going to be there. And you have to kind of, at some point, accept that and tell the story that you can with the information that you have. And part of the story might be that information is lost. Part of the story might be that there are things you don't know. So you take it into stride. You account for this loss of information. You account for the presence of the void as we tell stories. Um, and then finally, and this one might be a little bit weird, but I'm going to try it anyways. Um, know that knowing all the facts won't help make you feel better. So part of my quest, part of my desire to find story or to find information about my family was to make me a few, me feel better. I felt going in that if I knew what happened, if I somehow could piece together the story, that I would feel better, that emotionally I would feel like, okay, I had some kind of closure or grounding or whatever. And while that did help get there, I mean, what I did find did help me orient and get grounded, um, that didn't actually make me feel better. I think ultimately changing myself emotionally and changing myself internally is what helped me feel better. So whether or not I find all the facts about a situation or none of them, it's always available for me to change my perspective on things, always available for me to kind of live in the present moment and be grateful for what we have, while also understanding that there is loss and there are things we don't know and may never know about our own lives or the lives of those who are close to us. So um, if we're looking for some sort of emotional solace, knowing facts maybe won't help it. And I've actually even seen and heard stories of people who get really obsessed with finding the facts because they're trying to satisfy an emotional need and they never quite get there. They find more and more facts and they find piles of documents and they have it all sorted out. Maybe they find everything that they ever wanted to know, 
but it doesn't really help them emotionally. So no amount of facts is going to help satisfy the emotional need that drives you to want to find the facts in the first place. At least that's my perspective. You might see it differently. Um, so that's what I think about the void. And that's what I think about places where we don't know all the answers, places where we wish we knew more, where we wish we could have the full story. And my general feeling and conclusion is that we have to accept that not knowing the facts is all part of the human experience. We do what we can to preserve. We do what we can to honor what has come before us and to tell us a true story and to honor the facts and honor the history. But we also know that there are things we'll never know. There are things that we're at some point going to have to draw inferences about or make assumptions about. And that's part of it. And I think that's part of the human experience internally, but then also culturally as we produce these things for other people. So this was Hyper Memoir, and I hope that was an interesting episode. Hopefully those thoughts weren't too disjointed as I was kind of talking about it. I was wondering to myself, well, if this makes sense to anybody. So if it does, I'd love to hear from you. You can uh, email me. You can respond to this show. Um, if you're on the mailing list, you have my email address. So that's the way you can get in touch with me. And I'm always curious to hear from people. I always want to know what uh, people think about this kind of stuff, because as I talk to you about things like holes in memory and the void and stuff like that. I feel like it's a little bit esoteric. I feel like it's a little bit kind of non-obvious and out there. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to actually present something that maybe you don't get somewhere else. But as I'm doing it, it's actually part of my own growth experience. I'm a relatively new podcaster. I've been doing this podcast for less than a year. This is my 27th episode, which is awesome. And I'm learning more and more. But I think that also I... I'm learning. I'm learning to see what people like. And I think that's part of any creative project. And I talk about that. I talk about this on other episodes that as we put things out there, some stuff lands and we feel really good. And we're like, wow, we got that right. And other stuff doesn't. And so something like this, where I feel like I'm kind of coming at things from a different angle or a weird angle, it's really helpful to know what you think. So if you're open to doing that, I'd love to hear from you. Like I said, relatively small podcast and newsletter. But what I am trying to do is help people tell their stories, find their creative voice, just like I've been able to do. So I've been able to really go from a place of not feeling like I can tell my story or have a creative voice or be a creative, like really lean into that role to someone who feels like I can be as creative as I want. I can say what I want. I can tell what story I want. And so that's what I'm trying to help do with this podcast. So hopefully you appreciate that and enjoy it. If you do, I'd love a review or any kind of feedback that you can offer me so that I can make things better. So anyway, I'm Chris Valtimes. This is the Hyper Memoir Podcast, and thank you for listening. I do appreciate the attention.